recording. Hey, everybody, it's Bigger T here from the Big C and Bigger T podcast. Just recording a little introduction here for our uh, interview we have for this extra episode. We're dropping an extra episode this week. Uh, this young man that we're interviewing is a guy named Dion Holloman. I got to see this young man grow up, call him a young man, call him a kid still, because I'm old, folks. I watched him grow up, and um, he's a young man that's faced some tough times. He's faced some trials. He's faced them. Uh, he's trying to make it in professional football, uh, trying to get paid to play, and he's um, still working. He's the hardest working kid I think I ever saw, especially in high school. I mean, there was a time I, I pulled him aside one time. I said, man, you need to take a break. You need to go eat a donut, take a break or something. But now he's a – I think you're going to be impressed by the young man that he is and uh, what he has to say. So enjoy this podcast. We're going to be bringing you some more like this. Uh, we got we got some more interviews we're going to try to do here and there, but uh, let us know what you think about it. Like and share in all the right places. Thank you. One, two, three, five. You ever seen a lame man walk? Ever heard a dumb man talk? Ever seen a blind man see? I promise you a change seen a canceled death, ever seen all the poor get fed, ever seen a prisoner set free, I promise you a change is Everybody, it's time once again for the Big C and Bigger T podcast. Woo. Big, we got a great interview today. But first of all, with me as always, my right hand man on my left hand side, or at least that's the way I'm seeing him here on the Zoom machine. Big C, Clint Clark, how you doing, my friend? Best day of my life. Best day ever. Yeah. Wow. Man, I, I can't I can't back that one up, but it's been a good day. It's been a good day. Got your friend here. Can't wait to hear hear from him. And I, I'm excited about this. We're gonna try our hands at interviewing folks. See how it goes. We probably felt at least we tried it, huh? That's right. Well, we have a young man. I call him a young man because I'm old. <laughs> I watched him kind of grow up a little bit down here in Camden. But a guy that was one of my favorite football players to watch in high school, not only because he was pretty dang good, as my grandpa would say, but he uh, was a good man, a good guy. And um, Clinton, he's got he's, – he's way cooler than you and I. He is. He has a sneaker game. <laughs> it's up there, Clint. His <laughs> is on point. You will never catch that man that is on the screen with us right now. 
sneakers that don't match everything else he's wearing. <laughs> if, you do, if you do, something's wrong. <laughs> there was a fire in his house and he had to run out. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so, something's going on. Like, like he's leaving like everything else behind him. He's got his shoes coming out. Like, that's right. right. Every day he gets and goes. He probably has an escape bag just in case for that. <laughs> Dion Holloman, former Camden Fairview Cardinal, former Missouri State Bear, former, what was that league called? Uh, Alliance Arizona. of American Football, uh, Arizona Hotshot, um, XFL uh, guy for a while. And now he's fixing to be in the draft for the USFL. Dion. Welcome to the show, man. Appreciate you being here. Yes, sir. Appreciate you having me. So what was y'all's logo for like the Arizona hot shots? Was it like a hot shot truck driver or was it a cattle prod? <laughs> no, nah, it was, it was, um, you know how they had the like wildfires out there and stuff. It was oh, like yeah. a, like a fire department type logo with like some old school type stuff. Oh, cool. Yeah, but that it was none, none, just the hot shots. It was just like the hot shots logo. With, I guess we actually never talked about that, but that's <laughs> yeah, what it was. I was just, I was, I was being silly because first thing came to my mind when I've been shocked with a cattle prod before, and I'm gonna tell you, and I don't, encourage <laughs> it. I don't encourage it. You, you'll remember it. <laughs> that's how right. close parents kept him in line. Yeah. But anyway, right. well, Dion, man. Uh, first of all, let's just let's just start where it all began, man. Let's talk about what it was like for you growing up here in, uh, well, I say here, um, down in Camden. Um, now that I'm older and I look back on like the way that I grew up, I'm very thankful for it because I've seen a lot of things as a young child that um, you know, matured me mentally and um really opened my eyes up to a lot of how like, you know, the world is and how poverty is and how, cause you know, playing sports kind of, kind of saved me in the sense of I had a vision and a lot of my friends, you know, we all had a vision, but I was more so I was, I was, I'm introverted, but I'm an extrovert depending on the surroundings. And, you know, I observe everything a lot and, one thing I did notice was that I had friends that were very wealthy and I had a lot of friends that were, you know, eating Roman noodles like I was. And um, it really made me be grateful for where I came from. And it made me realize that, you know, certain things that are possible and certain things that I, the lifestyle that I want to live and the lifestyle that I don't want to live. And um, it just made me look at the world kind of different to, in, in the sense of just, where I am and where I can be. So um, it wasn't really a lot of opportunities coming up, but I had a lot of people that I looked up to. Um, D'Anthony Curtis, which was being one of them, um, another great guy from Camden that played for the Razorbacks. And um, I didn't know he was my cousin, like close cousin until like my sophomore year in high school. And um, then we started training together. And then I would, you know, he gave me a lot of advice on, what to expect he kind of showed me the way of how to you know um carry myself and just hearing people talk about what type of person he was outside of um just playing a sport kind of made me want to be that type of guy too mm -hmm. and um just you know I'm thankful for it all and mm -hmm. 
I wouldn't actually want to be nowhere else or grow up anywhere else. I'm perfectly fine with how everything playing out because, you know, according to God, that's the whole plan anyway. So I don't really live with too many regrets of how things go. So. And that's, and that's the thing you, you always were, you know, from what I saw, pretty mature minded person. And, and that's a mature way to think of it. Cause a lot of times we look back and we just complain on things, but you know, there's lessons learned in those, in those valleys, you know? Yeah. A lot of lessons, a lot of lessons I learned. And, um, you know, in those lessons, you don't, you don't really look at it as a lesson at that time. Mm. You know, you can sit and complain and wish things were different, but it takes a while to, um, you know, transform your thought process and be like, okay, um, this is teaching me something, you know? Yeah. And um, I always had that mindset that, you know, I can get through anything and just, I just feel like that was a blessing from God because now looking back on it, I really didn't complain about my circumstances. I just made the best out of it. Mm-hmm. And um, I was very thankful for that because I was doing that naturally. And um, now that I see that I was actually doing that naturally because I talked to a lot of people about things that they go through in their life. And um, I hear a lot of complaints. I hear a lot of regret. And I try to, you know, be that type of guy to give advice on certain things and try to give a different perspective on, you know, what they went through. Because one, you can't change it. You can only move forward. So that's kind of. And I think we have a similar natural mentality where you look at a, you find yourself in a bad situation. You always try to make the best of it. And I think that's the proper way to handle things. There's a lot of people that they, they get in a bad situation. They're like, all right, I'm, they, they just, they let it defeat them. Yeah, and they see, they they see, they think. Honestly, everything starts in the mind, and and um, you know, when a lot of people reach adversity, I see a lot of people think it's no way out, and that's where you know that's the life changing point. That's the life changing, you know, point for a lot of people where they go through one of the toughest parts of their life, and they think they'll be in it forever, and then they trick their mind to think they'll be in it forever, and then they're, they're actually stuck in that. And some people never get out of it, which is the sad yeah. part. Where did you live in Camden? Um, well, I grew up in, in the, apartments, or yeah, know? I li- I grew up in the um, project area, and then um, I moved with my grandmother when I was about sixteen, and I moved with my dad. So for like what project 50, area were you? In? Um, it was called Carver Courts. It yeah. was uh, Plant Carver know, Courts is a, about a hundred and twenty unit apartment. Yeah, project. yes. Low okay. subsidized. Yeah. A lot of people don't realize Camden has the largest housing authority, which is government subsidized housing and the per capita in the state of Arkansas. So probably, well, I, you know, I, I always tell people what's, you know, they say, what's the biggest industry in Camden? I say, well, in East Camden, it's, it's the defense industry, Lockheed Martin, but in yeah. Camden, it's the poor. Man, it so sucks, man. A lot of folks making money off the poor. And, yeah. And, in that town yeah and there's a there's a lot of and poverty's different it's, it's isn't it i mean it's different yeah. in south arkansas compared to i mean you've been a lot of places now i mean yeah. there's pockets of it everywhere you go but and, the, and like the thing, a little different. yeah it's different because it's a small town so you may see one or two homeless people you know and i i kind of feel like that's that's like good because um, 
most of the people kind of try to help the homeless. Like most people that I know, you know, don't treat them like they're nothing other than to the cities that I'm in. Now, I see people just treat them like they're nobody, you know what I'm saying? And I'm not that type of person. I, you know, help when I can. Or, you know, I don't try to see, think they're faking or think they don't need it. I just do it from the heart. But that's the big thing that I've seen from where I'm at now and where I grew up at. It was, it's a lot of poverty, but it wasn't too many homeless. And mm. I feel like, you know, the housing authority or whatever, however that stuff work, I don't really know what they, what the requirements are, but I just know, you know, people have a place to live, yeah. but not a lot of money. So that's, that is that's, the positive thing about it. Yeah, that's the positive thing about it. Now let's get to football. Okay. You, uh, in ninth grade, you had to, if I remember right, you had to step in and play some quarterback. But you were normally a running back or receiver uh, and return yep. back normally. Mm-hmm. But in ninth grade, at the end of the season, you got moved up. And this is this is a, a, a tough part of the story, right? But yep. you got moved up at the end of the year. Camden was on a playoff run. And y'all got to the finals against Greenwood at War Memorial yep. Stadium. Greenwood is making it in the middle of a comeback and Camden's still ahead. And Greenwood, of course, is kicking an onside kick, right? So they kicked they kicked the onside kick before that and got it oh, back too. Right. And then they they scored off that and then they kicked it to me and they got that one back. But you, you can tell keep- us what happened on that kick. So I was like thing that I heard through the whispers of the crowd, like he wasn't ready, he was nervous, he was scared. I was far from nervous. And I I wanted to make a play. The ball came in my area. I wanted to make that play. And unfortunately, the way the kick was set up was we leave the end man, the way the blocking scheme was set up, we leave the end man alone. And that was the guy that made the play. He hit me from the side. I didn't even see him. He hit me from the side. I fumbled. They recovered. They score. They it's win the game. Kind of a sky kick, wasn't it? It was a sky kick. Yeah, it was a sky kick. I don't know. I can't remember if they they got the ball back and the game was over. Were we down at that point? I think. I think y'all. We were, were down by one. Ahead. They scored the yeah. winning touchdown off of that. I think. Yeah, it was either they scored. The, either way, they got the ball back and we had no chance to win. Yeah. And that was probably just at that age, 16, 15, 16, 17. Yeah, I was, I was 15. Yeah. And uh, just at that age when I fumbled and just knew that that cost us the game. Um, That was one of the hardest parts of my life already just being young and, I, and actually not being a part of the team the whole year. And just, man, I just remember I could vividly I, I still can see like some of my teammates just looking at me like what are you doing you cost us the game and then getting back on the bus guys arguing you know saying I, I shouldn't have been out there and it was just I was just in that fire you know what I'm saying yeah. and um it, it really that really made me a man that really that situation right there really made me just you know take ownership of what I did and what in the mistake that I made, even though I know if you know the game of football, that didn't cost us the whole game. No. That was the most, that was the most pivotal point in the game though. So, 
it, it's easy to, you know, put the blame on me. And I took that blame for a long time. And I remember, you know, getting on the bus and I was, I was crying. I was mad. And I, man, I didn't want to go to school. I didn't want to be seen. I didn't want to do nothing. But I, I did tell Coach James, you know, I apologized to him. I told him, like, man, I promise you I'm going to do whatever in my power to get us back and to win one. And um, I did that with my team, along with my teammates. But um, that really was the turning point of my work ethic. And I took special teams so serious more than I think anybody. And I was I was one of the first guys to um, show up, one of the last guys to leave. I made sure that I worked harder than everybody on the field. Um, I worked out at home. Even after games, I was come home and do push-ups, sit-ups. I was making sure that I was going to be one of the best guys that touched the field, any team we played. Yeah. And – I honestly, personally, I always kind of was competitive, but it's it, that opened up another like, like it just opened up something else in my mind to think like, you know, it, you got more in you. And I pushed myself to that limit literally every single day I did. It was not a day that I was at practice. And I, and I can say this wholeheartedly, it was a day that I didn't want to be there. It, I had, I wanted to be there every day. I wanted to make sure when I left that I would be remembered for better things than what I did. And honestly, if that didn't happen, I don't think I'd be where I'm at today. Yeah. Like if I didn't go through what I went through and the criticism that I went through, I don't think that it would have made me as, cause I thought I was doing just enough. I was doing like up until ninth grade, I was making sure I was competing with everybody, but I was doing just enough to, you know, be prepared. But it was another level that made me a great high school football player. Yeah. And I think it stemmed from that mistake in my life. Mm. And, then, and then, of course, fast forward in 2012, you get to the finals against Batesville. And uh, yep. you were in that second half, especially, you were a key part of uh, yep. coming back against them and uh, uh, winning that game. Yeah. Um, Man, I, I couldn't wait. I, I actually couldn't wait to play. That was like the, you know, this is my chance to show what I can do. And, you know, I kept that promise to coach. Like, I, I and he could tell you now, I remember I was outside. I was one of the last people to leave, and I apologized. I told him, I promise you, I'm going to do this. I'm going to do this, whatever. And when I got in that game, like, we was on the sidelines certain times, like, Coach asking, like, what you think we need to run? And I'm telling him, like, give me the ball in this play. Do this and do that. And they trusted me. I scored two touchdowns two times that they asked um, on what we should do and how they were playing. And I was just so locked into the game that I was going to do anything, you know, mm -hmm. to help our team win. And I, I did that. And, you know, it, was, it felt good to get that redemption um, on what I did, you know. Now, um, <clears throat> you did get to play for Buck James, who's turned into, you know, man, he's killing it at Bryant. Just, you know. One of the best, man. He's one of the best. What was it? What made him such a good coach? Um, I'm, I'm going to be honest. What made him such a good coach was he didn't care who, who you were on this field. Um, he treated every player the same. 
and actually not you no know, he didn't treat everybody the same he was harder on his best players than he were on his worst players so I think that set, separated him from any coach that I've seen even um at the professional level even at the collegiate level um his just attitude towards everybody in the facility he had an expectation no matter what position you were no matter what you did Friday night Monday come Monday you're back at it and he don't he's not even talking about what you did last week mm-hmm. you know what I'm saying he didn't he wasn't praising uh oh yeah we did such no he was you know tunnel vision on the main goal and it shows because no matter what and where he goes he wins and um I think that's why he wins yeah. is because he's his ability to not look back, not um, show favoritism. He didn't show favoritism. I've never seen him show favoritism yeah. to anybody. And um, once you once your teammates and um, players see that you treat everybody the same, you have the same expectation for even the best. I think that makes makes them buy in because they feel the same value um, to that team other than, um, just like our uh, coach only like him. So it don't matter what I do. Yeah. We knew that it took every, all 96 or how many ever it was, it took everybody Yeah, from the scout team, from the trainers to the water boys. It took everybody to win that state championship. Yeah. Even if that's just a good, not everything flows together in the football program and some of the greats, they know that. Yeah. Yeah. Now, Dion, I, I looked. Uh, I I don't do a lot of research because let's just be honest, I'm lazy. Um, that's why I was the finest third string center in the history of the Gulf South Conference. But um, anyway, no. When I looked you up, it said. I mean, everything I just talked about. You're an elite level punt returner. What do you think makes you a great punt returner? What I mean, because I played with an All American punt returner at Arkansas Tech, Stu Cash. And, you know, he told me a couple things that I didn't pay attention to, but I'm going to pay attention to you. What made you okay. have a great um, Man, I'm going to be honest. I It was it was more of my mindset. Um, and, like, tying back into my story, just the, being a kick returner, and when I fumbled that one time, I made sure that any time I was on special teams that I could change the game. So it took – took my mental to another level when it came to punt return, kick return. And I think the biggest thing um, that separates punt returners is some guys just mindset is just, just catch the ball because it's a hard play. It is, you know, you got 20, you actually have 21, 20 to 21 guys running down at you. Right. And you to catch the ball, but it's a love that you have to have for it. Like you have to actually like truly love that, that position and tell yourself that I can change the game at any point. So that makes you like, I know a, a few guys I play with and they just like, I just want to catch the, I just want to make sure I catch the ball. But me, I'm from practice to the game. I'm practicing like I'm at the game. Anytime, like anytime I touch the ball on kick return or punt return, if I ran it all the way to the touchdown from high school to now, like anytime I caught it, I don't, and at that point, it didn't matter if I everybody had to wait on me to come all the way back. I made sure that I was in shape to run a hundred yards and to run back a hundred yards and to run a hundred yards again, if I just for those plays. And that's how I, that's how I broke records. That's how I, you know, stayed on teams 
to be a primary return guy because my ability to one be in shape and the fact that I love it so much that I know that I can change the game at any given point is I think that's what separates a lot of guys because I'm willing to take a chance. <clears throat> I'm willing to take a chance if that one guy was running free and I catch it and I make him miss because that may be the only guy that I had to make miss. But if I catch that fair catch, everybody else, I go back and look on tape and everybody else is blocked and I just could have made that one guy miss. Now I'm sitting here thinking about, man, that was another touchdown I left out there. So with that, with that being said, you just you just really have to have a true passion and love to, for a returner to think that you can do it, not just not that you're back there not to mess up. And I think that's what makes me a good returner. No, and, Other and, than, one, and one thing you did <laughs> say that really, because I was talking to Travis about Stu on the way here, and I said, you know, I saw, there was two or three games in our college careers that Stu took over the game. He, he changed the game. Yeah. We were playing a team that wasn't as good as us at West Alabama the year that we won the conference. And Stu, I think, returned two, at least two punt returns to the house. And the game we were struggling in changed the game. I mean, it, that's just – that's an area – and you don't see it as much anymore. I think Perotti had, like, the first punt return touchdown in forever this year. Arkansas, yeah. Yeah, good for Arkansas. Um, well, yeah, no, also, the, yeah, um, I, and like y'all are saying, you know, not only does it help with – points and, and yardage but if they're if you're a returner like you are Dion they have they're, they're going to probably try to kick away from you and mm -hmm. so that means they're not going to kick it as far they're not going to kick uh you know so you're, you're changing yardage without even touching the ball just he's proven you know proven that you take it seriously and that you know so how did this feel when someone kicks away from you He's like you, coward, <laughs> chicken. Yeah. Have you ever talked yeah, trash to somebody for kicking away from you? <laughs> um, that's the that's the that's the one thing that um I actually tell a lot of people all, a lot is I've never talked trash on the football field. Yeah. Like I'm I'm just I I just know how that game is, man, and I try to stay so even kill on the field because anything can happen. And I don't want it to happen to me. So I'm like, you know what? I'm gonna stay humble. I'm gonna work, I'm gonna work hard. I'm when my numbers caught, I'm gonna make a play and I'm gonna line back up and I'm gonna make the next play. And you know, it and to each is, to each their own. Like some guys get fueled off of, you know, talking trash and and, and I'm not that guy. I've tried to be that guy. I'm not that guy. I See, rather you need to help with it. Uh call my buddy Clint up. Um yeah. we See, used to play, I, we used to play semi-pro and uh in Little Rock, and uh, one time we were, got up to the line, and we were on the goal line. And he said uh, he looked at the defensive guys on the right hand side. I was playing right tackle, I think. And he said, um, he said, "Hey, we're about to run the ball behind my fat friend's butt right over here." <laughs> <laughs> that was what we were about to do. I was like, I was like, oh, um, you jerk. <laughs> And, well, well and, my, and, my, and all due defense, I just got done playing college football, and these guys that they were they hadn't played yeah. in a few years. It wasn't it wasn't very we fair. Score. No, the next year I'd gotten fat. I'd been out of college football. It was totally fair then. One of my favorite though was one time it was uh, like I think it had just been announced that Britney Spears was coming to Little Rock for a concert or something, 
And we go up to the line. He goes, hey, guys, did y'all know Britney Spears is coming to Little Rock next month? I got my tickets. 99, you got yours, don't you? He goes, yeah, it's your day. Yeah, I, no, like, I, I literally, oh, I, enjoy, I enjoy people that, that make the game fun for sure. I'm not against it. I just know when it's – when that, when I'm lined up and I do something good, I'm fine with that. I don't I don't need to, uh, yeah. you, everybody saw it. I don't need you saw it. You personally you saw it, so I don't need to tell you how good it looks. That's so. right. Yeah. Now you played now you played college football uh, a higher level than me, of course. What was the who had the best student section that that you experienced at Missouri State? Because we played Northwest Missouri State. They had won the Division Two national championship. And their student section had me just rolling. I was dying out there. I had to sit for the entire game. You know, I'm standing over on the sidelines. I want to be entertained. <laughs> the the best student section that I could say is it was a non-conference team. Um, it was Northwestern out in Louisiana, Northwestern. Oh, and Natchitoches? Oh, uh, they purple. I think so. Yeah, yeah, the demons, they, purple demons, something like yeah, that. Yeah, 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 yeah. Now, Coach Mullins was our head coach. He was their offensive coordinator before he came to came to Tech. So, and they, my friend Patrick, their radio voice. They were the crate, like it. And the, and the thing was, they were so close to us, like that. That made it, man. They didn't stop from the time we were warming up to the time. Like they had, they had a few coaches laughing. That's how funny they were. <laughs> and I never forget that because I was a freshman, and you know, in high school, you you don't hear none of that stuff. You know what I'm saying? It's far away from the field. And I'm in college, man. They just roasting every player. I'm talking every single player. They had pictures of guys. Man, it was it was crazy. I'm like, man, this is what college football is like. I just had to like, you know, yeah. tune it out because it was actually hilarious. It was yeah. it was comedy, and um. I was like, yeah, this, this is the craziest stuff I had experienced. But yeah, we you know, backup quarterbacks, they're over there in their ball caps, and they were like, could then did they not afford you a helmet? Is that what yeah. <laughs> I mean just they I mean just I mean hilarious. and you know, I was telling about Stu Cash, the all American punt returner earlier. They were on him as soon as he <laughs> walked out of the dressing room. They were Stu. It was it was good fun. Now now how now you played what all perfect I mean, I know you played in the AAF. Yep, AAF and the XFL. And the XFL. What what is what was this? Because I, I I've always said for me, the speed of the game was harder from junior high to high school to me. Yes. But then it was from high school to college. What what what's the speed of the game and the intensity level going up that level to the to the XFL from from college? What's that like? Um so it's to me personally. Everything it is faster because I, I don't know how to explain it because like I wouldn't say guys are like everybody's not faster. It's it's just like everything happens faster. I don't know. It's weird like to explain, but like everything is just quick. Like you, one what's hap what's faster is the plays, the amount of plays you have to learn in a certain amount of time. That's intense. You may learn. You may learn five plays in a meeting and then you got practice in one hour and they expect you to know it. Like literally, they expect you to know exactly what to do on all five of those plays at any given moment. And you like, and that is the part of the game that changes the speed. 
because if you know what you're doing, you're able to play faster. Mm -hmm. So it's more so the knowledge of everything. It's because a lot of guys, if you know what you're doing, if you know the game, know what to expect, you can move to your zones faster. You can move to, you know, everything. But other than that, like, you know, practice is really uh, more technique other than physical because after that point, you know, it's about longevity. We try to keep guys injury-free. Um, you just – coach just wants you to play fast and be efficient yeah. and uh, know where you're at. And then when you come to the game, that's when he – I mean, you're a grown man. He, if You need to be physical. They don't have to, you know. Yeah. But um, that's the part of this. That's the speed of the game part is like, for me personally, is knowing everything because I'm able to play at my full speed mm-hmm. other than not knowing. So – you know, guys are strong and fast, but not too much faster than you are in college, yeah. you know. Now, you got noticed by the AAF in kind of a different way. Mm-hmm. Um, tell about that a little bit because it was a viral video, right? Yep, yep. So um, after college, um, after college, well, see, I had, so, you know, fumbled in high school, We you know, made up for it, but taking special teams um, so serious. I had broke every single record in the conference mm-hmm. and in our school history for um, return yards. And um, they that kind of helped me out a lot, but it didn't get me the um, NFL attention I wanted because I broke my foot my senior night. And um, mm-hmm. I thought I would be good. This was in late November and I had surgery in December. And my pro day was in March, so like 12 weeks later. And I thought I was going to be good. And uh, I had surgery, and it was it was kind of a slower process than I thought. And um, after I had surgery, I couldn't really train like I wanted to. Mm-hmm. And um, so I was more so just like thinking I was going to be okay for my pro day. And I went to my pro day, and I did pretty good testing-wise. I did. Oh, can you hear me? Yeah. yeah. Okay. I did pretty good testing-wise, but I didn't run as fast as I normally was. I think I ran like four or five on my – like four or five, two or something on my pro day, and I'm normally low four four. And um, after that, I went back to the doctor and I checked my foot, and it was still broken. And um, so that was a hard thing for me because I didn't hear from any coaches mm-hmm. um, for a couple of months. And then um, – I start. I was like, you know, had a few dollars, and I was just like, you know what? I need some money. I got to start working because I'm sitting around waiting on this NFL, and you know, it, it ain't happening. So, um, I start working a construction job. You know, waking up five in the morning, working for eleven hours, just then going to the gym, then wake like at around eight o'clock to ten. Got to wake right back up at five, doing that five days a week, sometimes six. And it was just exhausting, but I was like, you know, I, I, I love the game so much that I was just like, I'm willing to do whatever. And then I went to this random gym one night and um, after work, and I was, you know, um, I did a little upper body session and um, I was almost done. And I was like, you know, I need to do something else. So I started doing box jumps and um, I was doing box jumps and this guy asked to record me and I told him no. And at that point, I was at one of the lowest points of my life, I feel like, because I'm like, man, I had these expectations for myself. My family had these expectations. You know, people that support me, 
steady reaching out, man, what's up with the NFL? I, I know you're going. And I, I mean, I wouldn't respond to people. I'm like, man, I don't feel like explaining to you what happened if you don't understand, you know. Yeah. And just being a good athlete, everybody thinks you're supposed to automatically be professional. And it's so much that goes into it that people have no idea. Like, you could be the best player in the world and something just don't go your way, you know. Yeah. And um, so I was working extra. I was doing the box jumps, and then the guy asked to record me. And just being so low in my life at that point, I I, I was like so disconnected from people. And I, I just didn't really want to be seen. I didn't want to talk to anybody. And now that I'm more mature about it, it it's not, it wasn't that serious. I just was like, you know, in a low part. Mm-hmm. And I was just like, nah, I don't want nobody to see me on video. Like, I'm fine, you know. And he was like, nah, man, just let me do it, man. Like, we people in my gym try to jump on these boxes all the time and they just can't. It was like 50 inches maybe. And um, my, my other friend was there and he was like, man, just let him record it, you know? And I was like, all right. So we stacked some tires, I mean, some weights on top of a box and I just jumped on it easy. And it was like, man, we need to keep going. So we kept going and it, man, it, it got to like 65 inches and I oh, jumped I on it. right there. Now this is box jump. So you're just jumping from flat foot yeah. Straight up and landing on top. Yeah. yeah. I saw that on your Twitter today. It was impressive. Yeah. yeah. 65 inches. Hey, Clint, yeah. <laughs> at our best, how many pieces of paper could you get under our jumps? <laughs> I'm not going to lie. I Because they, they had, you know, at Tech, they had us, you know, they do the thing where you have to jump up and you have to slap the things. I think I might have. And now this has been a couple years ago. Um, I graduated college in 1999. Uh, so I was four years old. I, I want to ask you. Anyway, <laughs> I, think, I think I got like, respect your elders. I think I got like 25 inches. I wanted to say 30, but I don't feel good about that. I feel like I had to find on purpose if I said 30. Um, right. It, 30, whatever it was, it was not very high. I think I could yeah. jump on top of 60 pieces of paper. <laughs> but yeah. That's, that's what I'm <laughs> All right. So, anyway, go ahead. The guy videos 65. Yeah. Yeah. 65 inches. And I jumped on it pretty, pretty fairly kind of easy, to be honest. And um, he sent it to me. And I'm telling you, I was disconnected from social media, man. I was. I was just, and then one day I just had it in my phone and I was just looking at my videos and stuff. Then I looked at, I was like, man, this, I was like, man, this is actually kind of crazy. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I was like, this is kind of crazy. So I put it on my Instagram story and people were swiping up on my story. Like, man, he, man, what? This is crazy. I can't believe you did this. This, this looks fake. And I was like, man, I need to put this on my page. Yeah. So I deleted it from my story put it on my page so many people come in so many people was reposting it and um you know bleacher report it got to bleacher report and they messaged me the next morning or that night it was i think it was the next morning it was like hey can we use your video and i was like yeah why not so they used it and um later that evening um the aaf alliance of american football called me and was like you know, called one of my coaches and asked him why I wasn't playing. 
And he was like, well, I think he's still training, but, you know, he he um went through some stuff and, you know, but I, so they called me, gave me their number and I reached out to him and they told me, you know, about a tryout and stuff like that. So I probably had like maybe a couple thousand in my, maybe a thousand in my bank account, to be honest. And I had spent like half of it to go try out. And it was like maybe 60 plus guys out there. And I go out there, right? And all these guys are literally former NFL players. Like they they wearing their Cowboys uniform, like T-shirts, training shirts, Arizona Cardinal stuff. And I'm like, man, this is about to be a tough tryout. Like, but honestly, I was the first person at the field. It was nobody was at the field, not even the people that was hosting the tryout. It's first person at the field. And I started warming up, just getting my mind right, getting the feel for everything. Then guys start showing up. And then um, it was, I met the, you know, GM and all that. And they they saw me out there first for whatever. And I had an excellent account. I didn't drop one ball and, you know, drop one punt. And I did great. And then um, they saw it. They called me probably like that next Monday. And they signed me and I went to training camp. And then they released me from training camp. And I did pretty good at training camp. I did great at training camp. And um, but they had all these guys that was literally 52 guys out there. And um, 48 of them was former NFL players. So I'm playing with all these guys that literally just left practice squad or left active roster, got released. You know, all these guys, I know these guys, literally watching these guys on TV on play on Sunday. And I'm like, that, that's, um, you know, such, such. I'm like, no way. And I'm just out here and really just being a student of the game and just being a humble guy. I'm actually asking all these guys questions, asking everything about everything, literally, because all this is new to me. I'm like, yo, what, what's this like? What they do on this? Like, what, you know? And um, I did that. And it, it was a great, great thing. After I got released, I came home and I was like, this very disappointed. And that was my eye opener to the business of professional sports. Like, mm-hmm. you can get sent home any day, and it doesn't like you could do great and get sent home. Yeah, because they're trying to make room for another guy, or they need a linebacker, and you got seven receivers. So they're like, okay, we're just gonna use six receivers, mm-hmm. and you know, we don't we can send Dion home. You know, Who and was that uh, number one receiver they had uh, in Arizona. Yeah. Um, Rashad Ross. His name was Rashad Ross. He was with the Redskins. He played at uh, Arizona State. They he threw him like every play. Every play. Every play. And then he I, got, I, I would watch the games. I'd be like, man, throw to somebody else. DeAndre. DeAndre. Every, every single play. And then the plate, literally, he got hurt. I came. I was playing behind him. He got hurt. I came in the next play and scored a touchdown the next play. Because the all the plays were designed for him. Yeah. So <laughs> I, came, I came right in and scored yeah. a touchdown. And um it was John Walford, man. He he just won the Super Bowl. I remember. He um I came in and he didn't even know he was the backup quarterback for the Rams. He's he's actually very, very good. Mm-hmm. And um he played at Wake Forest. And um I came in and it was an audible. He called an audible at the, like he, we're in the huddle. He looked at the defense they were in. He was like, hey, guys, change the play, change the play. We're going to run this. And then he was like, who's my slot right here? And, like, he, like, looked kind of shocked because I was in the game because, <laughs> you know, they used me strictly for kick return and uh, punt return. So, and uh, But he, he know, you know, he knew I was 
capable of, you know, playing. And he looked at me and he was like, I'm throwing it to you. Like, he was like, I'm throwing it to the slot right behind the linebacker. And I was like, all right, like, let's go. And it happened just how he, it happened literally just how he drew it up, just how he spoke about it. And I scored a touchdown and that was a great feeling. Um, Just, you know, being able to come in behind that guy and play and play with those type of guys. And now I see John on TV just winning the Super Bowl. And I'm just like, man, I played with him. Yeah. I can be there. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Just everybody's journey is different. I made him look good for that play, baby. <laughs> right, right. Because I think he owes you some money. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> um, but yeah, man, it was man. The the whole experience with that stuff was 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 very good because I I re- I'm really thankful that I that my journey is going how it's going because I've connected with some guys that I like you know lifelong friends um that you know make a difference in my life today that i that can help me along the way of my career with anything i I know guys that's in real estate i know guys that you know got their own you know businesses it's just so much more further into the game other than if i would have went straight to the nfl i probably wouldn't have the mindset i have now of networking and you know, building true relationships with people other than thinking, oh, I'm in the NFL, I don't need nobody. I can be my own person. You know, it just changed my whole perspective on life. Just like, you know, I'm just thankful for it all, you know. You know, me and Travis talk a lot. Is football is made, it's part of making me who I am. Right. You know, Travis feels the same way. And it's obviously a big part of your life. And it's made you who you are the, you know, you know, I've been the guy that's, you know, we won the Gulf South Conference. I'm also the guy that the second team was driving to beat the first team in the spring scrimmage right before the season. And then I snapped it over the quarterback's head. Um, it sucks, but, you know, you have – but it's like you said, your ninth grade incident is you have to live with it. You have to. You you have to live with it. And, you know, you, you, know, you had the right guard was mad at me, the left guard was mad at me, because we were literally about to upset the first team. Mm. And then I snapped it over Shane Savoy's head. <laughs> well, Dion, you know, um, of course, the AAF, to kind of finish your story here, the AAF folded. Yep. That ended up, you know, going bankrupt or whatever. You went to the XFL, to the Washington Defenders, and you had more injury problems there, right, with your hamstring? Yep, yep. And um, you're still – are you still considered under contract with the XFL? So no, everything is. Um, they actually the XFL just partnered with the NFL today. Yeah, we were, I saw that. Yeah, they partnered doing some partnership stuff with them today, but that's not until another year. So I'm not going another year without playing football. You know, I don't want to sit out another year because, from my, you know, understanding after COVID, after our league shut down, that we would be back in 2022. Like they renamed everything XFL 2022 blah 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 and then come 2022 they changed it to 2023 so i'm like okay i was i I could wait a year you know i could train and you know wait a year and then they come with the 2023 stuff and i'm like man that's too long not to be active you know what i'm saying like playing so it kind of bothered me but um the usfl came up and i reached out to some guys and some guys 
you know, reached out to me, asked me if I was still playing. So, um, that that it's these startup leads are truly a blessing from God for real. Yeah. Because think about how many guys before me that didn't make, and it was either NFL or nothing. Like it was either NFL or CFL or nothing. And these are like every other major professional sport has a feeder league, has a, you know, baseball, basketball, G league, minor league, like every other major sport has a, a another alleyway to stay professional and to be recognized as a professional athlete, except for the NFL. That's right. Well, and, and I um, think I think these star leagues are huge. They are, they are, and then they get, and then what people don't know, they have a lot of draw, like a lot of push behind them. Like even in in Washington D.C., we would sell out the stadium. It would be twenty five plus thousand people at our game. St. Louis had forty thousand people at their stadiums, and that's ticket sales, that's revenue, that is fan support, that is stuff that is um is you know phenomenal for a first year league yeah. and um you know tv contracts and all that stuff so now the, if i if i'm reading right what i'm reading about the usfl it's gonna be eight teams yep and they're gonna play all the games in birmingham alabama and for- the reason yeah and and the reason i i think that's it's good in the sense of it saves so much money mm-hmm. because travel, because when I was in the AAF and XFL, we would have to fly to these different states, stay in hotels, and um, that adds up. Yeah. Other than if you got everybody in the same town, mm-hmm. and you know you just drive to the games, yeah, and it's it's that simple. And they did that like, and that's like how the spring league was in Houston. Like the spring league was another little um, alleyway to, you know, get a NFL opportunity, and like these scouts actually watch these people, like these games. Yeah. Like even after even after I left the AAF, it was four hundred players in the AAF. One hundred of them signed contracts after the season. Mm. One that's one fourth. That's twenty five percent of players that played there yeah. that wouldn't have had a job. Or wouldn't have even got looked at if they were just sitting at home. Yeah. So the the startup leads are are actually great. Yeah. Well, and so the draft is when February twenty sixth tomorrow and the twenty third. Okay. So oh, good, good luck, my man. Yeah. They so they haven't they haven't um a draft tomorrow and then it's like the sec like the. So they draft by position. They don't draft by, like, just random. Right. So, you know what I'm saying? They don't do just, oh, we want this quarterback and this lineman. They do all quarterbacks first, all linemen, all receivers, all running backs. It's, like, on different days. So um, that's how it's going to go. So I'm just, you know, waiting to see if if I get picked up or whatnot. And um, it's just up in the air for everybody, you know, because it's kind of like they just – out of nowhere just like okay we just gonna draft people you know and just show up and be ready because it wasn't a combine the xfl literally had a combine like before i went to the xfl they literally had a combine so yeah i did great at the combine and that's how i got picked up there well man uh one more story clan i gotta tell about dion uh 
that uh, before we go here, uh, when Dion was a uh, in high school, I, I did a Bible study with the football team on Thursdays on short day, and we were uh, we'd be in the locker room in the film room, and uh, there'd be a handful of us in there. Well, there was this one guy, I forget his name. He was a young guy. He ended up. He, he never got to play. He left, he ended up moving or something after this, but uh, not because of this, but uh, we were going to pray at the end of it. And he said he wanted to pray. Right. And so, and anytime these guys, you know, the football team prayed, they held hands. Right. So Dion's right next to him in his prayer. The kid goes, uh, you know, he just got tongue tied. He said, and Lord help us to play 10% of our ability. And he meant to say 110 <laughs> percent but he said 10 percent well dion <laughs> couldn't take it and he started laughing it, right oh my <laughs> said, god and then the guy <laughs> like started praying on dion <laughs> he said and, and be with my brother here who is not taking this seriously yourself, like got on yes yes bro yes i remember that he was like yes be with my brother Dion since he's not taking this serious bro i could not i could not bro i could not hold that in like for nothing I hard time myself bro and he like started praying to me because i'm like yo you can't get mad at me because you said something crazy that's right Help us to give 10%. You know, anyway, dude, that was so funny. And I'm trying. And to- I started laughing. And he wants to start praying on me. <laughs> hey, Dion, you want to plug your social media stuff real quick? I know you got a Twitter. Yeah, yeah. Um, My Twitter is uh, dholliman5, and so is my Instagram. Um, I post some of my workouts and stuff on there. Um, just you know, keep people updated with my with my life and what I'm doing, and um, you know, I appreciate everybody that supports me, and I'm willing to give advice to anybody that's that needs it. Um, you know, I talk, to, I respond, I I look at all my messages, I talk to anybody that wants to talk to me. I'm not that type of guy to where I just you know ignore everybody. I've never been that type. So if you want to follow me, reach out, want any advice, inspiration, or anything. I'm willing to um, share that with anybody. Well, Dion, man, appreciate you uh, being on here with us. Uh, proud no problem, of- man. Anytime, man. Anytime. I'm sure, um, you know, something else will happen in my career. We can get back on, and um, we can talk about that as well. When During the season, if I got a free day, if um, you want to have me back on, I'm willing to do that. I like doing this stuff. Cool, man. Dion, thank you so much. I enjoyed that. Don't jump off here when we let go, and I want to talk to you a second before. uh, But we're going to close off the show now. So, uh, Dion, appreciate you. Proud of you. Pray for you that this USFL deal goes well. Uh, You you have always been a hard worker, and uh, I know you're going to continue to work hard as we see your lights there. And, uh, man, have a good one, Clint. Appreciate you, man. Uh, we're gonna. We are out. Thank you, Dion. It's been a good one. Sweat, work, filthy, dirt, harvest, hurt, kingdom come.
when I work, my hands get filthy down in this dirt. Won't see no more than I hurt. Cry in your kingdom come. Listen. I wake up in the morning. I bow my head to pray. Mama told me if I don't, ain't nothing gonna change. These prayers breaking up hard ground, so I can sow the seed. Ain't afraid of no aches and pain. Lord knows I gotta follow His lead. That's why I swear when I work, my hands get filthy down in this dirt. Won't see no Sing 